0: been in a series for a couple of weeks now called The Sayings of Christ or The Sayings of Jesus. And uh, this particular series is built on several scriptures. And I'd like for us to look at one of those this morning. It's Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. And it goes like this. Uh, God is speaking to Moses. And he's saying to him, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. Okay, the question, of course, is who's the prophet that he's talking about? Um, By reading the entire chapter, you can see that um, a very special person is being designated there. And then uh, in the New Testament, particularly the Apostle Peter identifies this scripture as referring to Jesus. He does that in Acts chapter 3. And so um, this is about Jesus. And God is saying that Jesus is going to speak his words. And he, God, is going to hold to account anyone who does not listen to those words. Um, I remember the, f- the first time I, I noticed this um, recently, that God just uh, spoke to my heart and said, that's important. You need to be looking at what Jesus said, and you need to be taking those things to heart. And so that's what prompted this whole series on the sayings of Jesus. And we've had a a couple of really good ones up to this point. And today is our third session. And the topic of today is hearing and doing, hearing and doing. And the passage is Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Now, let's talk for a minute about um, where we're coming from. This, This statement that we're going to, read today and, uh, and study is from the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is, um, in our Bibles, is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But uh, what it, uh, the actual event was a time when Jesus gathered his disciples, and there may have been other people listening as well, but he speaks to them um, some very important principles of the kingdom. Some people have suggested that uh, the Sermon on the Mount was really a collection of sayings that Jesus had um, said over a period of time, and Matthew just put them into a a concise unit and called it a sermon. That's possible. It, It seems, though, from looking at Matthew and Luke, that there might have been an actual event where Jesus spoke these words. The other question is, did he say more than this? because if if you read these through in a fairly slow manner, uh, they can be said in twenty minutes or less. And uh, did he just speak them word for word, and that was it and and everybody go home? Or did he speak um, uh, did he unpack them more than we had them in written form in Matthew five, six and seven? I don't know that we'll ever answer those questions completely, but the thing that we can answer is that what has been um, written for us by Matthew is important for us to, to learn and to know. And so we're going to take one of the phrases, and this phrase happens to be so important because it was the final thing that Jesus said out of the... Um, out of all that he said in the Sermon on the Mount, this was his last statement. Uh, so it's it's Matthew 7, 24 through 27. <clears throat> but we're going to set it up with some scripture ahead of, ahead of that. Because always, in fact, usually, um, Jesus, when he speaks, is speaking from a context. And uh, he begins to set up what he's Ultimately, going to say in 24 through 27 a little bit ahead of time. Um, in the passage uh, Matthew 7:15 through 20, Jesus begins to uh, he begins to talk about um, how you can know the difference between false prophets and true prophets. And here's what he has to say: Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And he says more, but that's the important part. So he's saying um, if you want to know uh, the difference between a false prophet and the true prophet, now, if it were me, I would say analyze what he's saying. You know, if what he's saying is true and it's, it rings true to Scripture, you'll know that he's a true prophet. If what he's saying is false and it's not what Scripture says, you'll know he's a false prophet. Now, I believe a true prophet is going to say what, what um, Scripture says. But Jesus says the real test is look at the fruit of his life. Look what this guy does. Look how he lives his life. That'll tell you if he's a true prophet or not. Very interesting. Let's go on. In the next section of scripture, starting in verse 21, um, the Lord also gives us an idea of how we can know a true disciple from uh, one who is not a true disciple. And here's what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, we tend to say that if a person believes in Jesus, that he will be saved. And I, I believe that with all my heart. Uh, but Jesus is saying, if you're, if you're wanting a test, if you're wanting to, to know, is this person really a believer? Do his words uh, mean something? Um, You want to look at his life. Is he doing the will of God? That's a true believer. And um, so um, this this business of of action and what we do is um, very important to the Lord. And he's ending his whole Sermon on the Mount um, with this emphasis. Let's go now into Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, now let's let's stop for just a minute because if this has been an actual sermon event, which I believe that it was, um, it may be that Jesus had taught these things beforehand and and he taught them again at this point, and and that's certainly a possibility. But um, he, he taught them For at least 20 minutes, if he just went word for word with what we have in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, or if he expanded on them, he could have been there for half a day or longer, talking to them about the principles in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But he says this, and this is so important. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 25, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it, it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. That's the end of the sermon. That's how Jesus ends. Basically, he's saying, you've heard it, now live it. You've heard my words, now live my words. I'd like to talk to you for just a minute about foundations. Uh, For me, it's vivid because I've had the privilege of being involved in a a couple of building projects that were very hands-on for me. I'm not a builder by um, experience or or training or anything like that, but um, I was involved in a youth ministry called Youth for Christ. And we needed to build a building that would house offices and and be a place where we could meet. This was in central Wisconsin back in the 70s. And uh, there was a man who was one of our donors in in Youth for Christ uh, who was a builder, a lifelong builder. He was older and at the end of his career, a good friend. And he agreed to oversee the building of this building, as long as we would supply him with um, manual labor, people that would (laughs) carry the loads and and work alongside of him and do the heavy work, so to speak, so that he could focus on uh, the things that involved um, uh, knowledge and, and direction and so forth. So I got to work with this guy. I remember the first thing that we did was after we set out the the uh, place where the building was going to sit um, and we dug down, uh, we, we poured what were called footings. And those footings in, in a place like central Wisconsin, that's very sandy soil, that was very important for that building. That became our rock, so to speak, in terms of this parable. And uh, after that, we... We built um, walls, foundation walls that were um, built out of cinder block. And uh, he taught me how to lay block. And that was a very exciting thing. And then because of that experience, I thought, well, when we moved to Montana, I thought, and we were getting ready to build a house. I thought, well, I can build a house. I worked with Ed Freeberg on this Youth for Christ building. So I got a guy that agreed to do kind of what Ed did. I, I paid him by the hour, and he was the knowledge, and I was sort of the, the laborer. And we built the house that we lived in in uh, Montana. And I'll remember, I remember that very similar to what we did in Wisconsin. We, we set out where the house would sit on the lot, and we dug down, and the very first thing we did is we put in footings. And we poured that concrete. And uh, that, was, that was the most important part of the house in many ways because it determined everything else. The walls then that we, we built were we uh, poured concrete walls for the, the bottom and the part that would be in the ground. And then we built a wooden frame house on top of that. And uh, the foundation was so important. And Jesus is saying, that if you want a solid foundation for your life, you not only need to know what I said, but you need to do what I said. I remember in um, my earlier years in church that we sang songs about this, this um, message that we're talking about today. Songs about building your house on a rock and building your house on the sand and those that built on, their, on the rock stood firm, and those that built on the sand fell flat. And uh, I used to think that all had to do with uh, building your, your life on Jesus. And we know that that's certainly true that you can't, your, your life will never go anywhere unless it's built on Jesus. That's the sure foundation for our lives. Jesus is not discounting that in this story, but this particular teaching is something a little bit different. He's saying you need to be doing more than listening and learning if your life is going to be built on a rock. You need to be doing what you've listened to and learned. And if you don't, if you just listen and learn, but don't do the things that you've listened and learned, your house is your life is going to be like a house that's built on sand, no footings, no foundation. And it works as long as there is good weather. But if rain comes and streams rise, that house is going to be history. Makes me think of um, a place called Big Spring. Do you know where Big Spring is in in Missouri? It's over by Van Buren, and uh, it's, um, there's a, a natural uh, spring that springs out of the ground. It's beautiful, and it flows into the current river. And several years ago, we were there. We like to visit that place, and we were there right after a, a big flood that hit that area, and uh, we were driving around the park, and we went to a section of the park, and we were just stunned because um, thousands and thousands of cubic feet of sand had just been swept down the river and piled up into this parking lot in this picnic area. And it was, it was you know, 10, 12 feet deep. And this is from the, the current river. And um, <clears throat> we just realized the power of water. And the inability of sand to withstand that. And so if, if we happen to be people who think, all I need to do is know what Jesus said and be really up on the Bible and my life will be solid, that's not going to happen. We have to have more than just knowledge to have a solid life. We have to have um, practice, and our words need to, um, the words that we've learned need to, to turn themselves into action. Well, let's talk a little bit about listening before we go further with this thought today. I think probably the, the greatest example of listening, for me anyway, is that of Mary Uh, You remember Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were uh, sisters and brother. And uh, they were good friends of Jesus. And on one occasion, Jesus and his disciples had come through their town and they were visiting. And Martha was um, was an extremely good woman and was very much concerned about getting a meal on and taking care of the the host kind of things that needed to be done when a, a group came to her house. And, uh, but Mary chose to sit at Jesus feet and listen to what he was teaching. And so she did that. And Martha was um, disturbed over this and she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, um, I'm trying to get this meal ready. And Mary's just sitting there and, uh, Could you say something to her? And Martha's, uh, the Lord says to Martha, and we can read it together here. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus is saying there that, um, Listening to his words was a a very important thing. And I don't want to downplay that in this teaching. It would be easy to do that, to say that um, studying the Bible or listening to messages from the Lord uh, through a preacher or teacher are not important. It's not true at all. In fact, Jesus, the same Jesus that spoke the words that we are focusing on today also said this about Mary and her listening in Martha's case she saw the most important thing being getting the meal on and Jesus said there's something even more important and that is listening to my word and so Mary has chosen what is better and I can see her there I can see her listening intently I'm not sure if she asked questions. I'm not sure about the culture of that day and, and doing that, uh, a woman in a group of men, but she at least was listening. And we need to listen to God's word. We need to read it. We need to, to value it and, um, and seek it out. And uh, it's, a, it's an important part of the hearing and doing that we're talking about today. And uh, Satan will attempt to subvert our listening. Think back with me to the parable of the soils or uh, the parable of the seed, as some people call it. Um, If you want to find this passage, you can go to Mark chapter 4. We we won't turn to it today. I just would like to talk you through it, but feel free to turn to it on your own. Um, In this parable that Jesus Shares, which is classic and so important to our understanding of all the parables, because Jesus explains what he meant in in all of the things that he said. And as he describes the significance of each part of the parable that he told, we learn some things about listening. Um, Satan does not want you to listen to God's word. He does not want you to listen to God's word. And particularly if you've listened to it, he does not want that word to stay on in your life very long or to be there unhindered in your life. He's gonna do everything he can to either take it away or to uh, uh, crowd it out or starve it out or in some way make it ineffective in your life. So we need to be aware of that. And uh, if there are efforts in your life to make God's word less important, fight against it, resist it, resist those um, attempts, those temptations that you have to let go of God's word, either his word through your own personal study at home or through uh, meeting together with believers and hearing the word of God through a pastor or a teacher. Those things are important. And uh, here's what Jesus said in the parable. He said um, that in the parable, there's a farmer and he goes out and he sows seeds. In a a typical um, uh, Middle East culture where it was broadcast seed and and, uh, some fell on the path. And uh, because the path was a a hard beaten place of earth, birds came and snatched the seeds away and they had no, um, they were not able to germinate. And Jesus said, okay, that's like what happens when, when the word is sown in your heart and Satan comes and immediately snatches it away. And it has no chance to germinate. You have no chance to put that into practice. Don't let that happen in your life. The second kind of uh, thing that can happen when we hear God's word. He described seed that was sown on a rocky place. That meant there was a little bit of soil, but underneath um, rock, bedrock. And so um, because there was a little bit of soil, the seed would germinate but it had no place for uh, roots to go down and not much depth of soil for there to be moisture. And so when the sun came up, the the plant was withered and it uh, it was killed. And that's what happens in our life when we only hear the words superficially. We hear the words, but we never really think deeply about it. We need to guard against that. Anything from the mouth of Jesus merits our looking deeper into those words. The third way that the word can be uh, snuffed out in our life is um, some of the, the seed was sown among thorns. And perhaps that when they were, the seed was sown, the thorns were, were short. But as the seed grew, the, the thorns grew as well, and they, they eventually choked out the plants that germinated from that seed. And Jesus said that's like when you hear God's word and the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches come and choke out the, the word that has been sown in your life. We need to guard against that. It's so easy to allow our jobs, our, our concern with our homes and with our kids and all the things that we do and have responsibility for to allow those things, which can be good things to choke out the word of God in our life so that it never has a chance to bear fruit. The last way is the way that is ideal, and this is the way that I I know uh, we are striving uh, for in our own lives, is that the seed, some, fell on good soil. There were no weeds or thorns. It was deep soil, wasn't on the path. And so that seed... Uh, germinated and produced a, a bountiful crop. And we need to listen to the Lord's word like that, like that good soil. Allow it to go deep into our lives. Don't let the cares of this life crowd it out. Don't let Satan grab it from us. And um, we have to contend for that. It's not easy, it won't happen naturally. We need to work at it. We need to make sure that we're defending the word that has been sown in our life. Well, the gold standard of listening is to listen and to do. It's hearing and doing. And Jesus um, reinforced this principle on a number of other occasions, and I want to just briefly read through those, and then I want to pray with you as we and our study this morning. On one occasion, uh, Jesus was told as he was teaching, your mother and your brothers are out here. And Jesus replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. He wasn't denouncing his own natural mother and brothers, but he was just saying there's a special relationship with me, for people who hear God's word and put it into practice. Let's look at the next passage. Jesus, again, was teaching in in another situation, and someone called out as Jesus was saying these things and said, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And Jesus, again, not discounting his own mother, but saying, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Here's the hearing and doing again. Let's go on to verse uh, John 13, 17. Jesus has been teaching the disciples, this is at the very end, um, about serving one another through um, what he had just done, washing their feet, a, a custom That was carried out usually by servants in that uh, part of the world in that time. And then he says, after he had done that and taught them, he said, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you remember them. No, he didn't say that. He said, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. One last scripture. Again, this is during the Jesus last day before he's arrested or the day that he is arrested. And uh, in John chapter, well, there's one other uh, scripture that I forgot. Let's go back to James one twenty-two. I want you to see this because um, James, the, the author of the book of James was Jesus' brother. And uh, there was one point in Jesus' life where I'm not sure James was a believer. But here, he certainly is a believer. Listen to what he says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He had gotten Jesus' message. Okay, now over to John 14:15. At the very end, Jesus said, If you love me, Remember what I said? No. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, do them. Let's read this scripture one more time. Uh, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. the great crash would you join me in prayer we've done so much education in our lives Lord that we think that if we can answer a question on a test we've somehow accomplished everything we need to and yet you're saying that to build on a solid foundation involves more than just listening and remembering and being able to answer a question on a test. It involves doing what we've heard. All of us, God, need so much help in putting into practice the things that we've heard from you. And I just pray that you would help us. We believe that you don't give commandments, that you don't also give the power to fulfill. And so we're trusting in you to help us to put into practice the things that you've told us. We pray these things in Jesus' name.